podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello there, I'm Tony Gow and you are listening to We Are West Ham Podcast. listening to the We Are West Ham podcast for the first time in more than three weeks. It's me, Will Pugh, James Jones and Tom Edwards. And for the first time ever, I think we've an international broadcaster joining us. Tom, who is officially the most unorganised member of the We Are West Ham team, has decided not to tell me or Jones that this week when he dialed in, he's actually sitting on a balcony in Ibiza. So gentlemen, it's wonderful to see you both again. But Tom Edwards, first of all, I think start as we mean to go on. Uh, I'm going to tear into you about this. What the hell are you still doing on the sunny Balearic Island while me and Jonesy are slamming it out in grey, miserable England? Just thought I'd have a jolly up, lads. Just thought I'd uh, tease you a bit and just call you out here, leave it as a surprise, really. But um doesn't work when you're as tanned as an A4 sheet of paper, mate. It doesn't quite have the same clout. <laughs> Absolutely no. The the shirt off exposure that you had when we first joined the call was uh, was something that me and James had to slam down on quite quickly. Jonesy, you're sitting there in your in your usual spot in in North London, I believe. You don't look particularly tanned, but about as pale as Tom, who spent a fortnight in Ibiza already. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Yeah, um, have I know you missed not... us. Oh, I've missed both of you terribly. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a long, hard painful three weeks away from you both but um and i know we haven't got any sun here but i'm being blinded at the moment by your ridiculous shirt choice will it is <laughs> you're not, rascal you're not a fan. it is it's outrageous it's, I, I um, did, yeah i mean I, i've lost for words on it. just to, you just describe it jonesy because obviously it's a big favorite of mine to anyone who's uh who's not watching this on on youtube or uh who's listening to the podcast like no, most people well, do it, it it's um it looks like someone's gone a bit mad with a paintbrush and it's got stripes of all sorts of colours on it. Yellows, reds, blues, pinks, no claret, no blue. Uh, there's some dark blues in there. It's a little bit of sky blue. Um, mm. A little bit. Uh, is that claret? A little bit. Was it, was yeah. it mauve? It's certainly know. not a West Ham shirt, is it? It's definitely not a West Ham shirt. And it's, it's yeah, the, the least said about it, the better, <laughs> mate. Not a fan, not a fan. Well, look, it's the uh, we. I've missed you two heaps, like a hole in the head. I think is the is the phrase. I'm sure a few of the kind messages we've had on the Twitter at we are underscore West Ham and on the email. Apparently, people have actually missed us as well, which is uh, which is quite nice. The boys took a uh, took three weeks off. Tom decided to extend his break even longer. We are hoping he comes back to England one day. But look, we've got absolutely loads to cover on the show tonight. It's a new season. We've all been planning lots of new things, the three of us. There's been meetings galore. It hasn't all just been sunning ourselves on beaches like Tom Edwards. We've got a new fantasy league that we'll go through. We've got emails and reviews in like we've already touched on. We'll do the headlines. No signings whatsoever, but two departures from West Ham as it is. James is certain that Albion Ayeti and Jordan Hugo are going to go on to huge things at their new club. And he's absolutely furious with the combined £10 million loss that West Ham made on those players. We'll talk about Grady Diangana, whether he's going to stay or whether he's going to go. Shane Duffy and Eberiche Eze have been linked with the club, as well as Ryan Fraser and Callum Wilson from Bournemouth. It's a huge one. But first of all, boys, West Ham played twice today. The David Moyes split his squad in half, sent one team to Ipswich and one team to Wickham Wanderers. A 5-1 victory at Wickham and a 4-1 victory at Ipswich. Absolutely delighted with those results. Jonesy, thrilled? Uh, I'd like to say I'm absolutely buzzing about the fact that we've won two games in one day. Um, but... As, I, as I've always said, pre-season's not for the results. It's uh, for fitness, fitness purposes only, boys. Um, but it's good to see, good to see some, some youngsters get good, good game time under their belts. Good to see Grady back and uh, getting a couple of assists. Uh, Haller on the score sheet with a hat-trick. Uh, I'm not going to get too excited about that. Remember when we said that with the pre-season, 
well, the, the fixtures, the little friendlies we had before football came back mm. after the COVID. And uh, we were like, oh, he scored a couple of goals. It's going to be so exciting. And he barely played for the rest of the season because he was injured. So uh, I'm not going to get too excited, but Suchek's obviously hit the ground running again. Um, Jared Bowen with a couple. So, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's positive, but let's not get carried away. Let's not get carried away. I think that's. Um, I might I'd give it a week or so. I'm glad you didn't get too buzzing about it now because I'll have my my rant like I did this time last year about the preseason does not matter at all. And I was watching. I, I was at work today and I had the uh, the Wickham game on the YouTube stream in the corner. And some of the comments uh, we, after we conceded the the one goal were ridiculous. Everyone's losing their mind. This team's a joke. We we need to rip it up and start again. We're an embarrassment. I was like, oh, Jesus, like half of our first team are winning against the team who's just been promoted to the championship. Everyone just settle down a bit, please. Tom, obviously you were, uh, you had other things on your mind today, no doubt. Did you manage to catch any of the games? I did. I started. Uh, I started with the Wickham till about half time. Then I've obviously catched up on the highlights. And I'll echo what both you say. A friendly's a friendly. It's good to see some goals. Good to see some youngsters being amongst it with the first team. But I mean, if there's any reason not to buy players for Sullivan and goal, they'll do it. So I think uh, the nine, the nine goals may be a little factor in seeing us be even slower in the transfer market. But yeah. Yeah, positive Alan Irvine, tactical genius. What can we say? <laughs> Absolutely. One thing obviously has happened since we were last on. Stuart Pearce has come back to the club. So there's a the, that seems a bit of a positive, positive feel around that move. Managed to bury the hatchet with David Gold and David Sullivan and the rest of the board at West Ham, who he'd sort of been perceived to criticise before. So I think that's um, that's obviously a good thing. But look, we've like I said, we've got absolutely packed show tonight. What we want to do is fill you in on our plans for this season. It'll be a very similar format to the We Are West Ham podcast that you're used to. You'll know Tom Tom Edwards is with us full time now, so we're really looking forward to to attacking the season, the three of us. There'll be no more transfers, ingoings or outgoings on the We Are West Ham podcast, that's for sure. So don't worry about deadline day. I'll get the lads' season expectations. I want to hear from Jonesy. And Jonesy did put the running order together tonight. And I've got a very, very negative vibe off of uh, off of the notes I was reading through. We'll go into James's tweet from earlier on. But I thought, we haven't been here for three weeks. We can't start the podcast on a negative note. But rest assured, if that's the sort of thing you'd like from us, there'll be plenty of that over the next 45 minutes or so. Thanks to James Jones. We'll also go talking to the season ticket renewals. Tom, Jonesy and I obviously got season tickets over at the London Stadium. The three different options that you had, which one of us uh, which one of us that we all did, which of us out of the lads decided to go in for the ballots or whether we'd be sticking away from the London Stadium for a bit. And of course, the bit that you are all looking forward to, the quiz at the end of the show. The Rogue Mystery Players quiz has run its course. It was one of our most popular, if not the most popular segment of the entirety of last season, despite all the outstanding guests we had. It went to the wire with me and Jonesy and then some friendly exchanges between Jonesy and Tom towards the end of the season but we've got a new quiz and it's called Name That Game another nostalgic historic look back at old West Ham fond West Ham memories of the past and we'll go into that a bit more in segment four and a new segment this season Josie the West Ham women have decided you know we, we had Rosie and Molly Kamita on one of our or two of our favorite guests from last season they're absolutely outstanding both former West Ham women's players and uh, we're going to look into the women's team a bit more this season. Yeah, I think uh, as the, the women's team grows, gets bigger, gets more more successful, um, I think it's only right that we, we sort of have at least sort of a five, ten minute chat about them every week and sort of see what they're up to and so give them a bit of support. Um, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit later on, but a lot of comings and goings in the squad over the summer, they've sort of Announced a new stadium deal, uh, got a new training ground at Chadbelief. So, uh, really exciting time out at West Ham Women. So, it'd be rude to kind of just ignore that. I think it'd be good to give them a little bit of exposure. Absolutely, yeah. Well, Julia Simic departed for AC Milan and released a sent a nice, lovely open letter to to fans on her departure. Like you say, it's been a busy summer. There's there's lots of stuff going on 
with the women's team. Six signings so far, I think, um, opening fixtures to come against uh, Spurs and Arsenal. So definitely a lot to talk to. We're hoping to get um, a lot more guests from in and around the women's team as well. A few players um, to hoping to, to give all of you a bit of insight into that as well. But before we cover all that, loads to cover in the first show of the season. Loads to come for the entirety of the season. Will, Tom, I'm going to go to you first. Albion Ayeti and Jordan Hugill both sold, which yeah. we did all expect, but for a combined loss of £10 million. Some outrage, the customary outrage on the We Are West Ham Twitter. Sorry, the West Ham Twitter sphere. There was customary outrage from one We Are West Ham member, James Jones in particular, whose thoughts we'll get shortly. But first of all, Tom, Albion Ayeti and Jordan Hugill, furious because it's another shambles of a transfer, or do you not really care because in the grand scheme of things, £10 million is not that much money? I think in the current climate, because we are ourselves being so boring, should I say, with nothing's going on in terms of ingoings, I, I actually was quite frustrated I, I retweeted Jonesy's three I was a big fan of it I championed it myself I think it's another clear indication of how poor Lee we've been doing in the recent transfer markets and overall our strikers how bad David Gold and David Sullivan have been in terms of recouping some of the money they've spent on strikers who clearly aren't good enough and it was just another example of our wrongdoings and the fact that Jordan Hoogler a player who scored 15 goals for QPR last year 13 in the championship has been let go for so cheap to a, to a team who clearly want to get straight back into the Premier League in terms of Norwich. So they clearly think he's a good player there. So, I mean, at 2.5 million, I think it's a bit of a bit of a poor piece of business from the club and it doesn't shock me, but it, it frustrates me for sure. Do, do you not think, you, you mentioned the championship thing there and you wouldn't be mm. the first one or the last to you know, West Ham fans to say, ah, oh, you know, it's it's ridiculous. Why don't we just go and buy Championship players? Is there not the the thought process that perhaps the Championship is his level? Fifteen goals is of mm. course good, but it's not you know, it's not mm. ripping trees up. It's it's four QPR who again are, are okay. Do, mm. do you think it's just that that's his level? There's no point flogging a dead horse if he's not going to cut it in the Premier League. No, I agree. I mean, in terms of ability and playing for us, I, I think his time is to go absolutely this season. I didn't think what he showed at QPR was enough for me to take him seriously as a Premier League striker. But I think in terms of value and in terms of being a functioning and successful business, getting 2.5 million out of a player who's clearly contributing to sides at that level of the game, and they have more, more than 2.5 million to spend Norwich, particularly with the parachute money and stuff, I think it just, it just didn't make sense, the, the transfer fee. But in terms of playing for West Ham, no, he, you're right. He's a flo dead horse and he shouldn't have... He would never have cut it at us. He would never have cut it with us. Absolutely. Note of giving him, shown faith in him, giving him the number nine shirt as well. So they, uh, they obviously fancy him a little bit. But, Jonesy, before I throw to you, uh, everyone at home, listen to this intently. And if you can... Uh, imagine it being said in James Jones's voice. I'll do my best impression. Whether or not he'll be too happy with it afterwards remains to be seen. West Ham making a £10 million plus loss on Albion Ayeti and Jordan Hugill says all you need to know about the club's inability to operate well in the transfer market. Madness how poor we are at buying and selling players. That's just tweet one of the, of the three-tweet thread. Tweet number two. It's a joke. Two strikers barely given a chance to justify themselves at the club, sold for a huge loss. Both have scored more goals for other clubs than they have for West Ham since they first arrived. Most clubs will operate a buy low, sell high transfer strategy where possible. West Ham's is buy high, sell low. Not, not deliberately, it's just because they're clueless in the market. Absolutely clueless. James Jones, all of those were direct quotes from you there. Have you anything else to add on that? Do you regret it now after all this time? Oh, why would I regret it? I think um, I completely agree with Tom and Tom, I know Tom agrees with me. I saw him retweet it. Um, but <laughs> Loved it. The, the, along, the, with, along with 55 other people, Jonesy and 263 yeah. likes. So. Yeah, the, the ratio is quite not, not quite what I wanted, but you know, it would do. Um, and for the, first, it, for the first time uh, I can remember for, for years, I've, I've tweeted about West Ham and not had a single person swear at me um, and tell me to <laughs> F off. Um, which is nice. Um, it was nice that West Ham fans agree with me on something, at least. Um, but my, my issue wasn't anything to do with the fact that they were sold. It's, it's, the, it's the fees we got for them. It, it's pathetic. 
you can't sign a player for, for 10 million quid and then two years later flog him for two and a half after he's played, what, seven minutes of first-team football um, but scored a combined 20, 25 goals for the two clubs he's been on loan at. Um, it just shows that we just have no no idea what we're doing in the market, no bargaining power. Um, there's just... There's n- Sullivan, I, 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 ju- I just don't know what the thought process is when clubs are coming in and bidding for our players, albeit fringe players, and then just going, oh, yeah, okay, two and a half million quid plus add-ons. What, the plus add-ons is going to make it, what, five mil for Hugo? Which is still a five mil loss on a player that... Like, if, if Daniel Levy, if he was a Spurs player and that was Daniel Levy selling him, he would have gone for 25 million quid. And I'm not even joking. Like, well, Daniel you should be because he wouldn't. Didn't he, didn't he sell Ryan Mason for 18 million quid? Like someone sold right like this guy sold Ryan Mason for 18 million quid. We can't we can't get to, we can't even get five million quid for Hugo because we're rubbish. Um and it's it's annoying. Like Ayeti's left. I mean, we were expecting both both to leave. Ayeti's moved on, he's since come out and said that he had like he didn't feel as if you know he had a lot of confidence from David Moyes. I think he fell out of him quite early on. Um and he's gone and scored what in his second appearance for Celtic, and I'm not surprised. But again, like we've lost money on him and uh, in a year. Uh, and I just, it's ridiculous. And it's not just these two, it happens every single summer. We buy players higher and then they eventually sell for at a loss. We don't even break even on players. I think I can, I can only remember two players we made a profit on recently, and that's Pay It and Arn Outovich. And even they were small profit. Um, two players that were desperate to leave the club. It, it's crazy. So that's why I was, I was frustrated. Um, it just, it's, and everyone wonders why we've got no money when we're, we're losing money every summer. Um, so, obviously frustrated by that, James. That's clear. Just a quick one <laughs> on my impression of you. Were you sort of, I don't know if Lucy, um, your partner, was able to hear that, but if, if she did, when she when she inevitably listens back to the podcast, as I'm sure she does every week, will she? Uh, what would she give me out of 10 for that impression of an angry James Jones? I mean, I think, I think it may be even more frustrated hearing that I think it was awful um, you could have you could have tried a little bit harder there mate <laughs> fair, enough. fair enough well look we've got um, like I say there the James and James and Tom a little bit miffed about the departures of Albion IAT and Jordan Hugo not particularly the fact that they's, they've left but the £10 million plus loss that West Ham have made on the two players I haven't got the courage to suggest to James that any of it might be to do with the financial impact of coronavirus and perhaps buy a little it. bit of uh, a little bit it. of deflation. Exactly. exactly Chelsea spent why. almost two two hundred million quid this summer. Um, what COVID? Come on, <laughs> Ramsdale. Ramsdale's seventeen million. Seventeen million. Yeah, for Sheffield, United, Sheffield United has spent a lot of money. Uh, I'm not buying COVID. I'm not having it. I'm not having it. It's not an issue. Uh, if other clubs are spending big money. <laughs> Then and you know you just wonder where our money's going. Well, there you have it. James Jones is a COVID denier, so stick with more conspiracy theories, from Jones and Tom Edwards. Next. So James Jones has cast doubts there on the financial impact of coronavirus, whether or not he actually believes in the disease is yet to be confirmed. But I'm sure we'll hear that from Jonesy any minute. Now, one thing who James and Tom, they're obviously given their opinion on Albion IAT. We asked, as we will do every week this season, we, we put Twitter polls out every now and then anyway, but we've, uh, that's going to be one of the new features. You'll see a Twitter poll from the We Are West Ham podcast every week before we record the show. And without fail, uh, this was a this was a James Jones poll earlier on. The boys are back recording tonight after a few weeks off. Loads to catch up on, not least the heavy losses made on Albiab Ayeti, a nice little typo there, and Jordan Hugill. But which striker was worse? Vote below and we'll discuss on this week's episode. Well, as promised, we are discussing it. We have discussed it. And the West Ham fans, it's, it's quite an emphatic answer, boys. Jordan Hugill with 60.7% of the vote compared to the 393 for Albion Ayeti is as the worst striker for West Ham. Dave White um, replied, oh, and said, best news ever. Love the pod. Um, West Ham Fashion says Ayeti for me. He got given cup runs and the substitute appearance to do something. Hugo got a friendly against Dagenham and scored, and that was it. Shipped out alone in the championship and bagged goals. 
Uh, Hugo got tired of the championship for us. Reese has said, I don't know. I don't think either had a chance to play. You can guarantee, however, they'll both go on and score goals next season. And our top goal scorer will be on something like seven or eight. Rob Agresto says, tough call considering they never played. And Jack Morgan, sort of similar sort of mindset, says no way to judge either as they collectively got less time on the pitch than Roberto and he wouldn't get in the under-12s. So um, quite emphatic from the uh, the listeners. Funny as ever. And do keep an eye on the Twitter polls that we'll be putting out each week. They'll be before we record the pod every Tuesday night. So have you got just nothing really to argue um, with that one there? Just on a quick well, no, Tom, do you think he was the worst out of the two if you had to pick? I mean, I actually think I think he got less of a chance than Ayeti. I think Ayeti's probably actually a better player than Hugill, but less of a chance. I mean, both of them are the same, the same. We saw nothing of him. Neither of them, they did show much. I'm, a bit, I'm probably actually prefer Hugill as a striker. I think he probably suits David Moyes' style of play a bit more. I thought he might be the only one who could maybe get his way in if he had a good preseason, but mate both of them are poor to be honest absolutely well i think i think we've done this one to death josie everyone at home obviously clear on on your thoughts on the situation while we're while we're on transfers there's a few others um some incomings or potential incomings fulham have joined the race for grady d and ghana west brom are still after getting him on a permanent deal ajax and celtic are also monitoring the situation he's come out and basically said he's a little bit apprehensive about joining West Ham because he wants guarantee of first-team football. We've got an abundance of attacking players at the moment. I don't think that's necessarily something we're going to be able to promise him. And he, you know, he'd think another season on the fringes at West Ham would be a bit of a waste. He's certainly good enough for the Championship. You'd think a Premier League team would take a chance on him. Are you, are you worried about that situation? Yeah, I am a little bit, I think. Um, he proved last season that you know give him game time, albeit in the championship, and he'll and, and he'll perform. Um, and he even showed glimpses of it this season before when he was just breaking into the first team. And I think what two assists today in the, one of the friendlies, uh, three assists maybe I don't know. Yeah. Um, and he's an exciting young player, much like Declan Rice was when he first broke in, and, and still is. And I think if if the club's going to sell any more players, it has to be fringe players and not young and up-and-coming players that the fans love and adore and, and want to see more of. Um, it'll be, I know that he wants to play first-team football, and I, I get the feeling David Moyes probably wants to give it to him as well. It'll probably mean mm. that maybe one, maybe, they're talking about Anderson leaving, I'm sure we'll get onto that, but he, he could be a player that replaces Anderson if he does leave for a loss, probably. Um, so, yeah, hopefully... <laughs> um, Hopefully he he stays. I'd be. I mean, I'm sure I won't. We, I won't be the only fan that would be outraged if if he was allowed to leave on a permanent. If he went out on loan again, I'd be annoyed. But it is what it is. Oh. But uh, if he leaves permanently, like all hell will break loose. More so than it already has. Mm. Oh, um, I, I I will throw yeah. to you. Do you, do you think that's a bit unreasonable though? That when Jonesy says all hell will break loose, it's an awkward predicament, especially for Moyes and even the club. Because we have got an abundance of attacking players, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, I funny. I, he for me, he'd be my main priority would be to keep him at the football club. He's young. I watched him every West Brom on TV more than anyone else last season. It seems I seem to watch him every week. He was phenomenal when he had confidence. He can drive off both feet. He's such a clever passer. The ball always picks the right pass. He scores goals. He's getting bigger, stronger, more physical. And he, and he has something different, a bit of flair. He's unpredictability. I think he'd be a massive, massive loss. And wherever he would go, we'd regret it massively. I'm with you in terms of, is it would it be the worst thing? Or, or should there be an outpouring of total anger if he was to go? Maybe not to an extreme for what he's done thus far. But I think the player he has and the potential that's in those boots, it would be so, so stupid to get rid of. And I, I really, really hope we don't. Yeah, I mean, it, from you know, to put myself in the position of someone at the club at the moment, I totally agree. I think he's exactly the sort of young, hungry player that David Moyes, uh, you know, said to want to build a team of, the, similar to the likes of Bowen, Declan Rice, of course. I would be more than happy to see Anderson walk out the door and have Grady Diangana start the first game of the season in that left midfield role. If you've got him on the left. Four nails in the middle and Bowen on the right behind Haller. 
I don't, or Antonio, I don't think you'll find any fans who would argue with that. Rice, Suchet, Dean Garner on the left, Fournells in the middle, Bowen on the right. What a midf- no fans would, would argue with that midfield five, surely. I mean, just, just talking about it now gets me a little bit excited. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a really nice, young, attacking formation there. Mm. Uh, just sort of defence out and we're ready to go. But um, I, think, I don't think there's any fan out there that doesn't want to see Dean Garner involved this season. Um, and I don't see why he shouldn't be involved. He deserves to be involved probably more so than Anderson does, um, given you know the lacklustre performances that Anderson put in last season, uh, towards the end of last season particularly. You know, just lazy, couldn't be bothered half the time. And you've got a young, hungry player like Dean Garner, desperate for first-team football. Um, give it to him. You know, he's yeah. hungry for it. He wants it. Give it to him. Right, let's see what you can do. There are, there are of course, fans who will no doubt be listening to this, and there's certainly a few of them on Twitter who are still stalwart Anderson fans. I kind of get the impression they're just holding on to the to the fee West Ham paid for him, and they just want him to be good because he was 45 million and Brazilian. Well, you know, it but doesn't got always 13, work. 13, is it 14 nutmegs in his debut season as well? Exactly, yeah. That's... That's exactly the sort of people I was talking about, actually, Jones. He just statos like you <laughs> who come up and tell me that, ah, oh, you know, he, he created this many driving runs from West Ham's half into opposition halves. He made the most attacking passes of any player on our team. All those stats are fine, but if you go and watch West Ham games for 90 minutes week in, week out, if you do that, you will realise that there's A, far more to a footballer's ability than what the stats tell you. And you will know that Philippe Anderson's heart was not in it for large parts of last season. And I can't see that that's going to change. We'll move on from that. More incomings. Another one that really made me angry at first. Shane Duffy on his way in, apparently, from Brighton. Not even Brighton's first choice centre-back. You know, he... He's, he's average at best. No Brighton fans were upset at the prospect of him leaving. I'm not sure, the, you know, forgive me if I've got this wrong, but there was also rumours that he might actually be going to Celtic now. I think he boarded a flight to Scotland the other day and his brother posted a Celtic badge on his Instagram story, one of those tenuous links that people make and decide that he's going to Celtic. But that one certainly wasn't one that excited me. In my opinion, if you're getting Duffy in, you might as well keep Balbuena. Tom? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, mate. I'm, I'm, I was, was more embarrassed than anything. Not, not to say he's a terrible <laughs> yeah. player. Not, not to say he's, he's not been a good Premier League pro. But at the end of the day, Brighton's third or fourth choice centre-half. Four years ago, the bloke wouldn't even made our 23-man squad leaving Upton Park. Now you're asking me that he's going to come in and potentially to be our third choice centre-half. It's, it's just no progression. It's, it's pointless. Why not get one of the youngsters in around it to be the fourth choice? Keep Balbuena around. Use Rice as a potential fourth choice rather than getting someone else in who's, who's shown his ceiling as a player, which is top, sorry, bottom five in the Premier League max and, that, and, and no more. And I just think, no, no I, I don't want to go after him. He's not done anything wrong, but he's just, he's just someone we should nowhere near be looking at. He's not improving the squad or, or helping the club out in any way to better ourselves. Josie, we're still in that, that classic stage of the transfer window of the, the rumour stages. Um, the, the Shane Duffy, that one is what it is. Everiche Eze from QPR, what are your thoughts on him? Looks exciting. Um, but at the same time, you know, if, if we're spending money on him, sort of where does that leave Grady? Um, well, yeah, why would you bother? Yeah, why would you bother? I mean, you know, when a lot of people at one point forgot that Grady was still at the club, and when we've been linked with with Eze, it was like, oh, you know, that'd be quite an exciting little signing. But then Grady, you know, performs well in a friendly. Remember, oh, hang on, we've, we've already got a young player just as exciting, don't need to spend 20 million quid. I know a lot of fans are a little bit like annoyed that we didn't try and use Hugo as part of that deal, um, or a potential deal, and he's ended up going out with QPR for a, a loss. Um, but yeah, I think um, I think yeah, it would have been an exciting signing. But do we really need him? Probably not. 
No, I, 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 it's very concerning to me that outside of Shane Duffy, which was the, the least exciting transfer rumour I've heard perhaps in my entire life, that West Ham aren't focusing a little bit more on players at the back when, as we've just uh, mentioned there, we've got a wealth of a wealth of attacking talent. Tom, the double raid for Ryan Fraser and Callum Wilson been reported in the sun over the last couple of days. Ryan Fraser, I think exactly the same would apply um, in terms of we've got Bowen, we've got Grady, we've got Antonio, we've got Anderson at the moment to play in those wide areas. I like the idea of him playing for the club, but given what we've just said, uh, can't really see that happening. But thoughts on Fraser and Wilson? It's exactly that. I mean, just wingers in general. Oh, to be fair, I used to say we should get SAM, but you're both right. Wingers are something we shouldn't be prioritising. But Wilson, on the other hand, is one which, as much as he gave the hand of and of God against us, whatever you want to call it. Um, I'd like him. He's a good player. He, he's mobile. He's, he's a bit more in the mould of Antonio, but played up there for large parts of his career, for his whole career, scored goals, played for England. He would definitely be one who would come in and improve us. But the, the fees always reported around Callum Wilson are pretty extraordinary numbers. So I, I can't see it happening, but he is one I'd, I'd be very happy if he did hold that shirt up later on in the summer. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree on that one. And I have heard a few calls or seen a few calls on Twitter for a striker. And I think it's easy to forget that because Antonio finished the season so well, that will be a headache that David Moyes has got come the start of the season, Who, whether he plays Haller or Antonio up top. And then, of course, you know, both of them fairly injury prone. Antonio probably a little bit more so. There may be a stage where we need that that third choice striker again and certainly having having Callum Wilson in the ranks would would obviously bump Antonio down you would have thought if he's going to start with Haller but it's all just it all just seems a little bit awkward doesn't it because like you say there's a lot of money there and I think if he's going to persist with the one up front Callum Wilson really should he, he could get a starting gig somewhere else couldn't he it doesn't sound like West Ham are going to be throwing money at players this summer either so it, it wouldn't be perhaps such an attractive prospect for him outgoings James Philippe Anderson Jack Wilshere Fabian Balbuena you've put down here do you think that's the extent of it or will we see any more I'd be surprised if um, we see more um, I think that the attacking side of the team is, is pretty much taken shape particularly over the last couple of years uh, defensively, we still need to do do a lot of work. I mean, it baffles me why we're not being we're, all, we're still being linked with wingers and strikers when we, we desperately need fullbacks, probably another centre half that's not yeah, Shane Duffy. Definitely. And um, yeah, I think yeah, it's frustrating. But you know, if the likes of Philippe Anderson were to leave, we wouldn't. We I don't think we'd need to replace him. As we've already said, we've got Grady coming through. Um, Antonio can play out there as well. Um, Jack Wilshere. I think the, the reports are that we're quite we're willing to pay some of his wages just to get him out of the club, um, which you know probably makes sense given what he's on hundred grand a week. Not a lot of clubs are going to pay that for him. Uh, Fabian Balbuena. Um, again, baffling that we're going to try and sell a centre half that you know we, we need defenders. So yeah, and he's yes. cheap as well. He's, he's not on loads of money, I mean, is he? he? He's a player that we. That we, we don't need to sell. He costs us four million quid. He's probably not on a great yeah, deal exactly. of money either. Um, no. Just if he's happy sitting at the club, being third choice, um, then then keep him on the mm. books. You know, he's not a bad backup to have. Um, um, outside Diop and Ogbonna will probably be, you know, they'll be the first choice. But it, it's it's strange, isn't it? But now Philippe Anderson, con- we we won't sell him for very for for a lot, will we? Uh, given our track record, um, so we're not going to have a I lot don't of money. Think we're, we're, you say that, but I don't think we'll sell him. If we don't get any offers that are north of 20, 25 million, I just don't think we'll sell him. I mean, even Seems then, we're like making we're a heavy loss. Yeah. Mm. Well, well, it's an intriguing one to see. I think certainly West Ham seem to have been keen to move on players before committing too much outgoing money. That that seems to be the pattern so far. We've still got a way to go yet. So, we're like I said, we're still in that rumour stage. We've still got some exciting uh, transfers to come, no doubt. A few twists and turns. I think no one will be sorry to see Jack Wilshere leave the club. I think the Philippe Anderson will split fans, but um, I, for one, will be banging the drum of uh, David Gold, David Sullivan and Karen Brady if Felipe leaves this summer. That's it for transfers for this week. 
But next season, uh, next segment even, we'll have the thoughts from the chaps on what's going to happen next season. Expectations as uh, lofty as ever, I would imagine, from myself and James Jones. And we'll find out exactly what we all did with our season ticket renewals. Stay with us for all of that next. You are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast, the first one of the new season with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. Tom Edwards beaming in from Ibiza. James and I, not so glamorous, unfortunately. But with the news just breaking as we record this, that Lionel Messi has sent a fax to Barcelona to inform them that he wants to exercise a clause in his contract that lets him leave immediately. Looks like he wants to be on his way this summer, so perhaps... West Ham will be able to solve their left-back problem after all. It also turns out that in that little break we just had there, we realised after saying that Jack Wilshere has absolutely no future at the club, that he did in fact play 90 minutes in West Ham's friendly game at Ipswich. I think he was in the Ipswich squad today, wasn't he, Wilshere? So he's uh, he's played a full 90 yeah. there. Perhaps that will be enough for to convince those at the club to give him another three-year deal on around 80 to 100,000 pounds a week that seems to be the sensible approach when it comes to players with career records full of injuries but lads first of all we'll look forward to the the season this season we want to hear expectations from the pair of you where you think we'll finish uh, we'll talk a little bit about the opening day fixture and the fixtures in general going into the season. We've got a home game on Boxing Day, finally. And obviously that coincides with the season where there's unlikely to be any fans. Nice one. But season ticket renewals, first of all, we all had three options. Uh, the first one was to renew now and enter the automatic ballot for matches uh, with social distancing in place as soon as any fans are allowed in. Two stadiums are going to be some test events. Brighton, I think, are the first uh, the first ground, and a few WSL games are going to be tested out for that. Option two was renew the season ticket and transfer your ticket to your friend or family for part or all of the 2021 season uh, if you weren't too keen on ongoing when COVID was still about. And option three was just pay 30% and uh, wait until or secure your seat until there were larger crowds in place. Jonesy, what did you do? Uh, just option one, renewed straight off the bat. Uh, if I get some, if I get a chance to go in the ballot, happy days. If not, get my money back to uh, to spend with the club. Um, hopefully, we can get that back in cash. Um, I don't. I have no plans to to spend any kind of club cash to anything other than match tickets. Um, so, but yeah, I just thought, uh, as you've already said, I'm a COVID denier. Not, not, <laughs> um, not too too worried about mixing with the general public, um, but fair enough if people still are, um, which is why they probably would have gone for gone for two. I know I've, I've noticed that a lot of fans aren't renewing, but I thought, well, I've got 108, just short of 180 quid left um, in club cash from last year's missed home games, so it meant that my season to get this year was like 460 quid or something mad like that. And I thought. Might as well renew for another year, even if I only get to like four or five games. Doesn't matter, I still get the money back. So, yeah, it was a no-brainer for me. Absolutely, and it became clear, obviously, how much of a COVID denier you were, Josie, when we went out for the uh, We Are West Ham end of season party. It would have been straight after the last podcast that you all listened to. What an evening it was! Tom Edwards blessed us with his presence. But um, yeah, you were you were sat far too close to me for my liking, James. Um, without a mask, yeah. I might add, even though we were outside. Tom, what have you done with your ticket next year? Same as Jonesy, I've gone. I've just gone for it straight and see what we get. Uh, yeah. Also, sadly though, my ticket was moved due to the squaring off. So that was another reason we sort of wanted to get a, get a new seat, get a lockdown, sort of if we can go in, get a bit familiar with it. But um, yeah, we again like Jones, we had a bit left in the in the club shop, whatever it is, the, the club points sort of thing. And uh, it just made sense. Just made sense. Can't give it up however much I want to. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I was pretty much exactly the same as you two. Um, I'm not as, not too worried. I'm, I'm you know, I've been going to pubs um, not too regularly, but I have been out, um, you know, I've been shopping. Like I say, I'm probably more on the less worried scale um, than the worried trying to get my life 
back to a little bit of semblance of normality. So once again, yeah, if, if I've managed to grab a ticket in the in the ballot, I know the club will do a good job of ensuring social distancing. So I've done the same. Just talk us through that quickly, Tom. Uh, what's the score with the the seat mm. moving and the squaring off and all that? What happened to you? Because we're in the Trevor Brooking, I believe it is, so I should know that. But it got, you know, how the club this season decided that they were going to make seats face, actually facing square onto the pitch, because down there is actually quite a bit of a curve and you can be facing literally opposite to the pitch. But um, yeah, so they made a good decision to square off the pitch, which actually caused a bit of problems with people I know in particular, obviously a lot of my friends around there. And we've been, we were one of the few who had to, me and my brother had to actually move our seats because it's it sort of changed the dynamic or, or, or how many people per row, whatever it is. So we've actually got to go and get, um, get our new seats in the same stand and everything, but just a few rows away from where we were and with our pals. It's not the end of the world, but... Because it also will make the stadium look a lot better. I've already seen a bit of a picture of it. And it, it looks it looks like it's pretty handy. So it's something the club needed to do. But it's just a shame that I was one of the losers who lost out. Will you still be sat together though? We were just about. We, there are a few rows. I think there's three or four rows between us and the same sort of area. So it's it's we can still have drinks before and everything. And uh, there's not many goals to not celebrate the there world. anyway. So yeah. <laughs> Absolutely right. Expectations for the season, Jonesy. I could I could tell you uh, having a little bit of a grumble as you were writing this down. No one cares, or no one should care, in my opinion, about pre-season friendlies. And I will maintain this stance even when we thrash Bournemouth eight-one in the upcoming Betway Cup. I'm not worried about the pre-season, Jonesy. When the Premier League starts, the real action when it actually matters. What are you what are you thinking this season? First of all, obviously Newcastle at home on the first game of the season. Delighted to avoid a top six club on the opening day for the first time in seven years, I think. The games after Newcastle at home, Arsenal away, Wolves at home, Leicester away, Tottenham away, Man City at home and Liverpool away don't make for particularly kind reading. Uh, first of all, before I get your your overall season prediction, what are you what are you saying about our opening run? Well, I was pleasantly surprised to see that it wasn't a top six club. Um, I was quite excited when I saw Newcastle come out of the hat at Newcastle at home first. And then they thought, I, thought, I know, I will lovely. Exactly, yeah. And then yeah. in typical Premier League fashion, oh, well, we almost got you, got you there, got you excited. Boom, have all of these clubs straight afterwards. And by November, you're stuck in a relegation battle for the rest of the season. Um, but yeah, it's, it's frustrating to see a tough run of fixtures at the beginning of the season again but yeah, as everyone quite rightly says you know you've got to play them at some point um, but I, I am a, a believer that you know if you can start the season well yeah, you know it, it does it does bode well for the rest of the season it gives you that confidence and as you've already yeah. said I, I don't think building up any kind of momentum, momentum in pre-season by winning pre-season matches actually helps at all it's all about all right. in the matches that help and, and that matter so if we can, if we can beat Newcastle on the opening day, which you know you've got to be quite quietly confident we can do, given the form we we ended last season in so soon. Um, so it was only what last month, really, wasn't it? So um, if we can, if we can win that, then I'd, I'd fancy to get a couple of points in that sort of little batch of difficult games. But it doesn't make it any easier at all, does it? No, I totally agree with you on the um, your point there about. You know the not the people who say, "Oh, you play everyone once." I don't buy that for a second. It definitely, definitely matters who you play and when, because you'd rather go into uh, a run of games against tough teams with a bit of a spring in your step and and a few wins under your belt and a bit of confidence. Right, and by the on the flip side as well, going into games against teams you feel like you should beat off the back of a few hidings and you've just you haven't seen the ball for four or five games in a row, like will be the case against all of those teams. Like I say, Arsenal, Wolves, Leicester, Tottenham, Man City and Liverpool, that's six games in a row where you're not going to have more than 50% of the ball in any of those games. So I, I totally agree with you on that. Tom, uh, as we can tell how optimistic James was feeling when he put the pre-show notes mm. together, he's put the relegation run-in doesn't look too shabby though. So obviously, uh, James, he's got high hopes where we'll be come April or May next season. Uh, last six are, no, sorry, our last five are Burnley away, Everton at home, Brighton away, West Brom away and Southampton at home. What are you saying about the, mm. uh, about the running? 
I mean, the running, as, as we saw this season, it's so key to, to have those games at the end of the season where you can claw back all the poor work that you've managed to do the 30 games before. So, <laughs> or, or, or look for something positive, who knows? But I'm happy, I'm a lot happier seeing those names come than, than the ones we've got in uh, early parts of August and September. Sorry, September and October, November. It's not the easiest run, run there at all. So, we've almost got the reverse. Just to, just quickly then, lads, I'll put it to you both. Would you, if you could, mm. would you swap those? And would you have that same, the, I know I said six for the, the opening mm. six games. So Arsenal, Wolves, Leicester, Tottenham and City, Liverpool are the six after Newcastle. Would you rather have those six at the end of the season, Brighton, West Brom and Southampton as your first double six? and have those at the end. What, what would you rather? I, I'd rather keep question. it as it is. I'd keep it as it is. Uh, the reason yeah, I'd why, keep it. The reason why is because, although I've said that's, you know, it doesn't look too shabby, that little relegation running. Um, we're, we've, we've never beaten Brighton in the Premier League. Not yet, anyway. Uh, we're, we're rubbish um, away at West Brom. Um, and uh, we, we rarely do anything against Everton. So you, you have them at the beginning. Of, you have them in the beginning of the season, and you potentially you potentially get exactly the same amount of points as you would against those that, that awful beginning that we've already got. But at the end of the season, we, we, we showed last year we can pick up points in games that we don't normally get points in if we're under a little bit of pressure. And I'd back us to win away at Brighton if we if we've got to win because we could get relegated over playing them in the third game of the season all day long. So, so I, basically, I'd, I'd stick with a difficult start, even though it's so frustrating that we've got a difficult start. So basically, it doesn't really matter who we play, you feel like we're going to lose to most yeah. teams. Yeah, and until we're in a relegation battle, then we'll start winning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, Tom, sorry, yeah. go on, mate. Go on, Tom. I was just going to say, the only reason I may, I may look to change it is because we seem to be pretty good without any fans in there. So if you flip it around and we get off to a flyer, by the time the fans are in, they can get up for the big games against City, against United, and we might have a bank of points behind us. It's the only thought process behind changing them for me. But we'll Yeah, I think, I think that's huge. That I think those, those games against the pure football insides are going to be even tougher than they would be with fans in the ground. Mm. Just one quick thing before we move on. A game at home on Boxing Day. Jonesy, I saw a little cynical smile spread across your face when I mentioned that it's just happened on the season, that no fans are allowed uh, into the London Stadium, or they may be at Boxing Day, of course. You'd certainly hope so, that there were some supporters allowed in by then. There, do you think there's a, a link between the two, given there was quite a lot of uproar about the decision last season when it happened? Um, I think that you have to be... Oh, I mean, I'm a little bit cynical about... This just seems a little bit strange, isn't it? Uh, we've, we've been told we would never have a home game. And then suddenly we've got a home game on, on Boxing Day. I reckon a lot of, um, a lot of executives at Westfield are, are, are very, very happy about this decision that no fans can attend because the shopping centre is open. They're going to, uh, they're going to have the best of both worlds. So, um, so yeah, it is what it is. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if fans are allowed back in by then. That game might be changed, um, but you don't know. Yet, do you? <laughs> it might be moved to, I don't know, the, the 28th or something ridiculous like that. True. Right. Quick one then, lads. A little quick fire at the end. First of all, uh, James, where are we going to finish at the end of the season? Somewhere, somewhere in the Premier League. Um, you just never know with us. Um, I've I've stopped. Need a position. I've stopped getting excited or having any kind of positive. Oh yeah, we could we could battle for top ten this year. Nah. Um, so I'll be very surprised if we if we battle in mid table this year. So I need a number, Josie. I'm writing these down. This is for the uh, end of season review. I'll be coming uh, back to these. I'm, I'm gonna. It's terrible, isn't it? Um, I should be more positive. I should be. I promise to be more positive after this week. 13th. 13th from Jonesy. Tom, what position are we coming in? Four, 14th for me. 14th. Sorry. Uh, I don't, yeah, I wish right. I could be more positive. But don't see it, mate. Nothing no. to, I can't, yeah. Nothing to apologise for at all, Tom. I, to be honest, I think 
14th as well, but just to be different, um, I'm going to go 15th. So, Jonesy, you don't have to worry about not being positive because you were the most positive one. <laughs> Quickly, who's getting Hammer of the Year? James? Uh, um, Declan Rice, again. Tom? Dean Garner. Big grind. Dean Garner, I like that. I <laughs> yeah. like that from Tom Edwards. And top scorer, Jonesy? Uh, Sebastian Haller. Sebastian Haller. Tom? Um, I'm going to go Suchek, you know, something a bit different. Woof. See you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what a West Ham season that would be. Yeah, for sure. exactly. yeah, I think With four. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's all you need. That's all you yeah, need. No. Including his pre-season goal. No one is, uh, no one's getting into double figures. Well, I'm going to go, yeah, I'm going to be a bit more positive on this one. I'm going to say Declan Rice player of the year, which means I think he'll actually stay. And I'm going to go Dean Garner for top scorer because we'll keep him as well. Anderson will be long gone by then. He'll be a distant memory. And uh, Dean Garner will go in with 13 goals for this season. Well, we'll, uh, we'll obviously wait and see a little bit of negativity, a little bit of positivity mixed in as ever from all three of us. But stick with us because next we've got the players, the Rogue Mystery Players quizzes no more, but we've got our new quiz that will run for the whole of the season. Name that game next. You are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. We've covered loads already tonight as we always do. The first podcast back for the season. We've covered transfers, Philippe Anderson maybe leaving with Jack Wilshere and Fabian Balbuena, potential incomings and why West Ham haven't bothered to be linked with any defenders. So what we're doing with our season tickets and our expectations for them in season. But a huge part of last year was, of course, the Rogue Mystery Players quiz. Uh, we've done that one to death. We've literally rattled through all of the rogue mystery players that you possibly know at West Ham it was great fun and this season we wanted to bring you something similar again so we've got a new quiz that me Jonesy and Tom got our heads together and have come up with a new concept for this season it's called name that game and I'm hoping that as you hear us play it will become more and more clear as the season goes on we'll keep the scores throughout the season so there will of course be a winner one of us the quiz master role will swap between the three of us each week so this week it's my turn next it'll be James and then Tom back to me again and so on so on throughout the season each week the quiz master picks a random West Ham match from history and collates the six pieces of information which will be a similar format to the clues that we had before but six pieces of information for each of that game there'll be an obscure fact or a piece of information about that game the scoreline only, so you won't get the winner, whether it was West Ham or the opposition. One opposition goal scorer, if there were any. One West Ham goal scorer, if there were any. The stadium in which it was played and the season in which the game was played. If it's still a draw after all of those, then the tie break will simply be the year that it took place. The question master will read out the clues one by one, or the pieces of information, sorry, one by one, and the two guessers, who this week, of course, will be James Jones and Tom Edwards, can interrupt at any time and guess the remaining bits of information about the game. Each player gets a point for each correct piece of information they manage to get. The If they get any incorrect, it throws over to the other player, who then has a go to have a guess at the one that the original guesser missed. All of this sounds, of course, quite confusing, but it's one point for each correct piece of information. A bonus three points for the overall winner for the week. So without any further ado, boys, I'm sure you understand it. I'm hoping you do because we all came up with it together. Are you ready for the first instalment of this season's Name That Game? Yes. Come so... On. Piece of information number one. The obscure fact about this piece of about this game is that members of local council staff were called upon after the final whistle. No guesses from either of the boys there. The scoreline of this game was 2-1. The op one of the opposition goal scorers was Jermaine Defoe. Ooh. Oh, is it um, Lasagna Gate? 
So James, uh, that's not good enough. I need the actual pieces of information from you. So James has decided to guess. Oh, I think... Remaining pieces of information here are one West Ham goal scorer, the stadium it was played in, and the season. So West Ham goal scorer would be Yossi Benayoun. Uh, it was against. Uh, it was against Tottenham. Um, the stadium and the season. I need from Upson you now. Park. The season would have been uh, two thousand five six, I believe. James, I can tell you that that is correct. It was Lasagna Gate two one against well. Tottenham. Goals from Carl Fletcher and Yossi Benayoun in the last league game of the two thousand and five two thousand and six season. Jermaine Defoe with the goal for Tottenham denied them from getting into the Champions League in possibly one of my favourite ever games at Upson Park. So, just to be clear, as James, the the boys had to hear three clues before either of them had a guess. So, Jonesy there, you get your one point for getting one of the West Ham goal scorers, Yossi Benayou. You get another point for the game being at Upton Park and you've got the season correct as well. So unfortunately, Tom, no opportunity for you this week to grab any points. James also gets Shame. the three bonus points. So that's an excellent start for James Jones. That's six points to nil against me and Tom after the first week of the season. An excellent start. And Jonesy, I think, is the quiz master for next week. So hopefully... Everyone at home, that was pretty. That was pretty clear. And James, what a game that was! Were you both at that one? I wasn't yep. there. You weren't there. I was there. I wasn't there. What could was, you have possibly um, doing that was more important, Jonesy? Uh, playing rugby. Playing rugby. That's yeah. that's. <laughs> Tom, <laughs> Take I mean, you're you're a Sorry, no, it was, it's actually, I missed two big, very, very famous matches against Spurs because I was playing rugby when I was younger. Uh, Lasagna Gate and the famous 4-3. Um, James, I've known, you, I've known you now. I'm not really sure where to start with that. The fact you missed the game is awful. I've known you now for around two and a half years, maybe two years, I think. And A, I never, ever, ever knew that you played rugby let alone Closet rugby. Fact that, I mean, it, it is worth pointing out, uh, Jonesy, I think it's fair to say that anyone listening at home hasn't seen you in the flesh. Um, you are obviously about five foot two max <laughs> <laughs> and about 10 stone wet. So the idea of you play, you must have been a scrum half, surely. No, I was a centre. Outside centre. centre. Yeah. And how important was Occasionally a winner. that you missed? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And how important was the game that you missed West Ham at home to Tottenham on the last game of the season? Oh, it was just a, uh, a end of season league game. Yeah, absolutely. I was uh, I played rugby to I played rugby like probably more than I played football when I was younger. Well, Outrageous Tom, isn't it? thoughts on that? You just never knew never knew he was a closet rugby player, but fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Not fair enough, in fact, for missing the game actually. That's poor, but but He's clearly, he clearly yeah, got think, a bit, mate. I've watched, I've watched what you're saying to him then, Will. Absolutely. I think perhaps for the, uh, for the next season, we, can, we might have to introduce a point system where if you missed the game in question because of a ridiculous excuse like I was playing rugby, <laughs> that you get all of your points deducted for that week. Well, there's the first week of Name That Game for this season. A bit of a tough one for Tom Edwards. James was able to nick in and steal the win, but stay with us for the inaugural last segment that will cover the West Ham women next. So you are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast and this is the last segment of the first podcast of the new season with me, Will Pugh, James Jones and Tom Edwards from Ibiza this week. It's been a packed show so far. We've had absolutely loads to talk about. It'll probably be a bit longer than our usual instalments because we haven't seen each other for three weeks and there's loads to talk about. A West Ham women's team. There will be loads to talk about with them this season. We'll be doing this at the same time of every show, just a short segment at the end to cover the women's team. As we mentioned earlier on, we had Rosie and Molly Kamita on uh, the last season as two of our guests. They are two of our favourite guests 
for that we had on on the pod all year and we're hoping that we're going to get a lot more access this season to some of the women's team important members of staff in and around current and former players uh, Jonesy the the main news so far this summer Julia Simic who was a popular character among the squad and among fans of the women's team has departed for AC Milan she sent a lovely message to fans as most players tend to do these days but this one was uh, was quite a heartfelt one as she moved on to as a big move for her to to Milan yeah that, one thing that stood out with this one is that it was uh, it wasn't just a, a tweet with a, a message written out on on a notes app on, on her iPhone it was a full blown video <laughs> up on the on the club's club's website where you know she she did it as a letter as well, but she actually spoke to camera and explained her reasons why and how much she loved being at West Ham and how uh, how welcomed she felt and how much love she felt from the fans. Um, so yeah, it was really really nice. I just wish her all the all the best at AC Milan. It must be huge what huge move. move for her. I mean, massive. So um, yeah, good luck to her. Absolutely, yeah. It's been a been a bit of a busy summer for the women's team as well. They've got they moved into their new headquarters at Chadwell Heath. Several new signings as well. The Australian international goalkeeper Mackenzie Arnold, Reading defender Maz Pacheco. I remember uh, watched Maz at Reading um, a couple of times over the past couple of seasons when I was covering them. Really talented. That's a good signing to add to the squad. And three-time Czech footballer of the year Katarina Svitkova, seven years at Slavia Prague before the switch um it's the really real feeling that the women's team are are going places and making making signings to sort of back up the uh, the intent that uh, jack sullivan and the team have, have you know have always have always preached yeah they, they, they seem to be pumping a bit of money in, in into that into that team and into the infrastructure surrounding that uh, the, the women's the women's side of it and um to right and all i think you know that the women's side of the game is getting bigger getting more popular they're selling selling out more stadiums you know getting bigger crowds for the FA Cup final and, and stuff like that so it's only right that you know that West Ham sort of follow suit and, and, and grow that side of the club and judging by the fact that we've had a player move on to AC Milan and we've managed to bring in the three-time Czech Football of the Year and you know we're, we're attracting some big players uh, FA Cup final a couple of years ago so you know, it's it's an exciting time. They just moved into Victoria Road, Dagenham Redbridge's ground. They're going to be sharing that six thousand seat capacity stadium, which is more than what they had before. So hopefully, a lot more fans can go on and support them once fans can get back into stadiums and and support the club. Because um, yeah, there's not just one one football club. And if if West Ham are typically doing poorly, which we're all expecting, hopefully the West Ham women's team can um, can put a smile on our faces. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you mentioned the FA Cup final, and that was obviously huge, wasn't it? We covered it at the time on the on the podcast. A bit of a disappointment that it was scheduled at the same time as a men's game in the end. But yeah, the numbers they're, they're going up and up in in mm. crowd numbers. They're going up. Fans that are streaming and watching the games online where possible. So I think we'll uh, you know we'll be making an effort to to get down there a couple of times this season. We'd urge anyone who's listening to do the same. Certainly keep an eye on how the team are doing and uh, obviously listening to the podcast because we'll be we'll be making sure we do and as I say once the season gets up and running uh, we're hoping to have a few more guests and a lot more insight from people a lot closer to the team and hopefully a few players as well it's been an absolutely packed show tonight lads bit of a long one thanks for staying with us Tom thank you of course for interrupting your exotic holiday in Ibiza can we expect you back in the country anytime soon who knows mate if i still even have my passport here it could be anywhere in europe at this point but uh no we, we i'm back on first i think we've uh i think tom's wi-fi has finally given up on him there i don't think he's uh he's put any more he needs to put in a couple more euros in the meter but Josie, wonderful of tom to join us all the way from ibiza wonderful of you to join us all the way from north london uh brilliant show tonight um lots to look forward to this season yeah, lots to look forward to off the pitch. Hopefully on it. Um, but yeah, we've you know we've, we're launching our, our fantasy league, which um, we'll tweet the link uh, the, the code out to. Already two hundred people signed up. We've not even promoted it, uh, which is great. The the password, if you're listening, is CNY six O U. But we will so post that. It's all lower cases. 
although a case, uh, we will tweet this out a few times before the deadline of the first game week and probably beyond that as well if you're a little bit of a late starter. But yeah, a bit of fun, a bit, bit, bit of fantasy football fun and we will, um, you and I will probably go head-to-head at some point, uh, smash I'll it last season. i my team. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I look forward to that. But um, yeah, the, 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 big, the big thing at the moment is that we're going to be moving on to YouTube as well. Um, so next, from next week's episode, um, we will be on YouTube so you can watch every episode back uh, rather than listen to us on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. You can even watch it and you can have a look at Will's terrible choice in, in shirts. Um, and hopefully you'll be able to see Tom because he's a little bit dark at the moment, um, sitting in, yeah, in the dark in Ibiza. Um, yeah, hopefully Tom will have, to have his lights on. But yeah, you will be able to see us and see me moaning. Will with his dodgy shirts and dodgy moustaches and, and all the rest just of it. Just dodgy everything, really. Dodgy everything, yeah. yeah. Rascal. <laughs> yeah, just dodgy, Get off dodgy him. general appearance. So, yeah, as, as again, just in case um, that wasn't clear, any of you aren't on Twitter or anything, the Fantasy Premier League code, that's for the fantasy, the, the standard Premier League one, uh, is lowercase C-N-Y-6-O-U. Uh, as James said, 200 people already on that. So that'll be a good laugh that we'll keep you updated with for the season. The YouTube channel, you can go on and find us at We Are West Ham on YouTube already. Uh, but the, the videos and the episodes will start going up from next week. Uh, we're on all the other platforms as well. We're on Instagram or on Twitter at We Are underscore West Ham. So do give us a follow. We really appreciate everyone who's uh, interacts with us regularly, whatever platform it's on. Just want to give a quick shout out to Steve Hunt, who got in touch over the emails again uh, this week. Everyone who replied and voted on the Twitter poll. Thank you very much. But shout out to Steve, shout out to the rest of you who are listening. I hope you're as glad that we are back as we are to be back. Um, if you're not tough, because this is us for another 19, 38, 40, 40 odd weeks, I guess. We're not quite sure. Yeah, until our until our next break. But from me, James, and Tommy and I, thank you very much for listening for first and hopefully not the last time this season. Come on, you irons, up the hammers, and we'll see you next week. Podcast Network.